The man came to my classroom on December 14, 1940, at 4.40 p.m. I wrote down the time and date immediately, because he asked me to write down everything immediately, and there was no reason not to comply. All the details, he said, even if they seem insignificant. I don't want you to decide what's significant. I want you to record. You're a camera and a dictaphone. Both. He was tall, with brown curly hair that seemed clean, newly cut. He had heavy brows, hooded eyes, and a sharp nose, and all in all was handsome in a rather somber way. He spoke educated Polish with an Eastern accent. His name was Emmanuel Ringelblum. I've heard of you, I said. He was the one who was organizing relief agencies, soup kitchens. He smiled briefly, and his face briefly warmed. I've heard of you, too. You were a teacher of foreign languages at Centralny. Now you're teaching English here. That's right. He put a hand in his pocket, took a glance around my meager classroom. I have an archival project I'd like you to be a part of, if you're interested. He paused as if to consider his words. It's important work. I've asked several people I know, professors, writers, to take notes on what they witnessed during their time here, to write down everything that's happened, from the time we wake up to when we go to sleep. And we do this, why? I asked. Very few of us here needed more to do. It is up to us to write our own history, he said. Deny the Germans the last word. A dry chuckle escaped me. It's hard to deny the Germans anything, Pan Ringelblum. Perhaps, he said, or perhaps after the war, we can tell the world the truth about what happened. It was quite cold in the basement. In the few weeks I'd been teaching, I had twice ended class early for cold. Ringelblum didn't seem to notice. Our task is to pay attention, he continued, to listen to the stories. We want all political backgrounds, all religious attitudes, the illiterate and the elite, every ideology. Interview everyone. Learn about their lives. I need the best minds here to help. He paused, as if trying to decide whether to add something. Will you join us? I was flattered. I will. I'm glad, he said, and reached into his bag to hand me a small white notebook. Write about what it's like to teach here. Your students, their parents, their friends. Whatever you observe, he said. There is no privacy here. Of course, I knew that. Ask them questions about how they lived before this. Write down what they remember. And your own life, with your family before they left. With your wife, while she was still alive. Your day-to-day -day activities, in and out of the classroom. I can offer you a small stipend. I'm not sure how long I'll be able to do that, however. I wanted to ask how he knew about me, how he knew who I was and what I did. But he didn't really invite questions. He had that authority about him. If they find the notebook, you could be killed, he said. They won't find it. He nodded, told me that we would meet on Saturdays at the library at 3-5 Tuomatskia Street. You're not religious, are you? Before all this, I had barely remembered I was a Jew. I told him as much. Well, they won't let you forget now, he said. Surely not, I said. Our group is called Onik Shabbat, he said. The joy of the Sabbath. Yes, I'm familiar with the term. He left the room a few minutes before five. I leaned against the overturned barrel. My classroom had no chairs. And wrote down what he'd said. All the details. The perfect Polish. 
the hooded eyes. I then wrote down a few scraggly details about myself, my name, my height, and what I imagined was my weight, and then immediately scratched out my height and weight, self-conscious. I had never been a diary keeper. I had never taught myself such an interesting subject. I almost tore the page out and started again, but then I thought, what if someone found my discarded notes? And I also thought, it is not my job to decide what's significant. So I kept going.